This is Robert Merlachi, Chief Digital Curator of the Mindshare Learning Report, Canada's Learning and Technology e-magazine. This podcast is brought to you by C21 Canada, Canadians for 21st Century Learning and Innovation. I'm honoured to have joined me for a Mindshare Learning Moment, Maya Burnham-Perkar. Maya is a 17-year-old student, award-winning scientist, motivational speaker, entrepreneur and volunteer. She has been a keynote speaker at TEDx and featured on several national news programs, including Global Morning Show, CBC's The National, CBC Radio 1, and The Huffington Post, and is the subject of an upcoming book by BBC presenter and author Johnny Pitts on eight of the most influential youths in the world. Maya is a recent graduate of Barrie North Collegiate in the Simcoe County District School Board in Barrie, Ontario. She's been a recipient of Canada's Top 20 Under 20, the Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Medal, Ontario's Junior Citizen of the Year Award, has twice won the Grand Platinum Award at Canada's National Science Fair for Novel Discoveries in Microbiology and Fundamental Physics, and has been the finalist at both the Google and Intel International Science Fair. Maya will be keynoting at her 7th Canadian EdTech Leadership Summit this coming November 3rd at the Mars Discovery District in Toronto, and has been recognized by the Mindshare Report as one of the top 10 newsmakers of the year. Wow, that is a mouthful and very uh, well attributed. Good morning, Maya. Thank you for joining me this morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, you've accomplished so much in a short time, and congratulations on your acceptance to Harvard. You must be very excited. (laughs) Thank you, I am, yeah. What's... what what drives you? You've you 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 seem to never stop. It's amazing uh, when I read your uh, your resume, and that's the condensed version, I have to say. So, uh, you know, you inspire me by just reading your resume alone. Uh, what 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 motivates you? Gosh, I think I've just always been a really really curious child. Um, I remember when I was little, I would almost constantly ask my parents question after question. I must have been really, really annoying. Um, You know, everything from why is the sky blue to how does the toaster work? And I think eventually I just started to ask questions that no one had answers to. But I was really curious. I wanted to find out the answers to my questions. And so I think that that mentality really lent itself to doing science research and using the scientific method to answering to answer my own questions. And I think that's really been um, a major driving factor for me. It's just being really curious about the world and then trying to figure out new things about it. Very cool. Now, I've been known to ask a lot of questions, and then I, know, I know I annoy my kids at times and my wife, but that is a sign of, I think, someone who, being inquisitive, you don't want to s- discourage kids as a parent when, when, a, when a child is inquisitive because that sparks more critical thinking and awareness and, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, STEM is the rage in education today. However, your interest came well before STEM became trendy. What, what spark, sparked your interest in, specifically in STEM? 
thing, I think that it really just came from my curiosity. Um, you know, I, I used to ask questions that, that my parents could answer, or maybe with a quick right. Google search they'd be able to figure out the answer to, but, but eventually I started to ask questions that, that no one knew answers to, whether those people were my parents or the world's leading scientists. And so I think that that really lends itself to, uh, to STEM, and per, to science in particular, because um, science is all about answering unanswered questions by, by using an established method. And so that's really, that's really how I got started with my basement laboratory and that kind of thing. Fascinating. I understand you selected Harvard as your university of choice among uh, many Ivy League school options. You must be very excited. What uh, was the selection process difficult for you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, I was. I was incredibly fortunate to be accepted to quite a few really excellent schools: um, Harvard, Stanford, Princeton, Yale, Caltech, um, uh, Cambridge, and a few others. And wow. uh, so they were all absolutely fantastic schools. And if I could, I would really love to attend all of them. <laughs> Um, so there, there's, there are really small differentiating factors between all of right. the schools, but I think that for me in particular, Harvard has a really excellent uh, electrical engineering program, and it's also, what's special about it is that it's very, very small, and I really appreciated that. They also have fantastic computer science and physics programs, and right. those three areas, electrical engineering, computer science, and physics, are really my three main interests right now. So I figured that that would be a good reason to go to Harvard, but really all of the schools are, yeah. are just excellent. You must have had some of the Canadian schools trying to lure you as well, like uh, Waterloo, for example. University of Waterloo. Oh, absolutely, yeah. The, the University of Toronto was uh, kind enough to offer me a national scholarship, and Waterloo offered me uh, a Schulich scholarship, and nice. um, I, also was, I also was offered the TD scholarship as well, so I think that came out to around a quarter of a million dollars that I had to turn down to go to Harvard. <laughs> well, good for you. It's not all about money, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you have a mentor or a teacher in high school who influenced you? I think that, that at Bury North, it's, I went to a publicly a public school, and right. uh, so so it wasn't particularly focused on STEM. So everything that I did do was entirely extracurricular, entirely outside of the classroom. Wow! Um, but I was fortunate to have uh, very supportive science teachers and. You know, none of them none of them minded when I took a few weeks off of school to to work on my own science research and that kind of thing as long as I caught up later. So they were all very uh, understanding in that sense. But all of my all of my scientific work I did outside of the classroom. Cool. How important was your parental support while in school? Oh, it was it was just wonderful. My parents were are, are absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, they never said that that any idea I had or any project I wanted to pursue was too big. You know, they always supported me and encouraged me to follow my dreams, and, um, you know, they made sure I was well-watered and well-fed and that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, made sure I didn't spend too long in the basement laboratory and that kind of thing. And so they were, they were always wonderful. And I remember in particular my parents, they, they, what they did that I thought was really great was they tried to expose me to as much as possible. They never tried to limit my interests in any way. 
um, I remember when I was little, they would take me to the very public library, and they would give me a basket and say, fill it up with whatever books you want. And I would run around the whole library and get books on everything from astrophysics to mighty machines and different kinds of dump trucks. You know, when I was little, yeah. I, could, I could name a ton of different type of, types of uh, everything from a ton of different types of construction vehicles to different types of dinosaurs. So, you know, I think, I think that was really great about them. They always encouraged me to learn whatever I wanted to learn and pursue whatever I wanted to pursue. They never tried to, to force me down one particular avenue. Fantastic. What, what did you like most about uh, high school? Um, high school was a, a really nice experience because I got to meet a lot of really interesting people who were quite different from me. And I think that I really enjoy being around people who are like me, you know, people who, who are interested in the same things as me and are just as passionate about, say, theoretical physics as I am. But it's also, I think, really valuable to meet people with different interests. And Absolutely. so when I was at high school, I had a really diverse friend group. You know, one, one person in my friend group is, is a star football athlete. Um, one person is uh, an absolutely fantastic musician. Um, and one of my friends just really loves video games. And so I think that, that one of the most interesting parts of high school was meeting such a diverse range of people and still having all of those people get along and form a friend group. So, yeah. Did you have access to great tech at your school? Um, so as I said, I went to a pretty small public high school, so we certainly did not have access to the latest and greatest tech. I, I think I think this year they're doing some renovations. So oh, okay. Maybe the incoming students will have access to better right. tech, but um, no, not not at my school. <laughs> if you could redesign school differently. What, what would you change? Hmm. That's a pretty loaded question, eh? That's <laughs> oh, part of our theme yeah. of uh, the I, co I our conference. something that I'm, so, I'm going to be talking about for a good half an hour at the conference. Yeah. Um, I think, to, to, to summarize everything, I think it's important for Canada to transition from a resource-based economy to an information-based economy. And... I think the way we make that happen is by investing in the public education system um, to ensure that students, that, that our students are the best in the world, technologically speaking. Um, as an example, I think that all schools should participate in science fairs. Um, for me, science fairs were my main outlet for expressing my scientific creativity. Um, and I had to enter on science fairs by myself because none of my schools ever, ever entered in science fairs um, as a part of curriculum. Wow. And I think that that, that, you know, if someone else had been in my position, maybe it would have been too difficult to go to these science fairs and that would have stopped them in their tracks. Right. And so, so that's an example. I think that all schools should participate in science fairs and, you know, all schools should have access to Olympiads and those, you know, math Olympiads, um, chemistry Olympiads, all those kinds of things. My school, again, didn't do that. Um, to, to give students the opportunity to, to hone their scientific and mathematical skills um, you know, I also think that, that the science and math curricula, they, they need to be revised to reflect more recent changes in, in scientific research. But uh, anyways, um, in general, I think it's really important that, that we, we develop our students in a way that, 
that allows them to lead in an information-based world. Right, and, and relevant to the global <laughs> knowledge-based economy. Absolutely. Uh, how important were extracurricular activities in honing your 21st century skills? And, and it's a great segue in being a well-rounded individual that you are. <laughs> yeah, so as I mentioned, pretty much everything I did was extracurricular. Um, I didn't really, aside from doing, you know, science club and alpine ski team, I, I didn't really... Um, I didn't. I, all of the rest of my my work was all outside of the classroom, um, and and over the course of the last few summers, I've done a lot of scientifically based programs that have really helped hone my science skills. So, as an example, I did a program at the Institute for Quantum Computing at the University of Waterloo um, a couple of years back called the Quantum Cryptography School for Young Students, where. Um, they brought together, I think it was 42 students from all over the world to work on developing quantum key distribution systems at the university. Um, cool. And that was a fantastic opportunity to learn graduate level physics and mathematics. And that was a great opportunity for me to develop my science skills. Um, and then the next year I was a participant in an MIT and Caltech run astrophysics program where they brought uh, 36 students together from all around the world to track near-Earth asteroids for the Harvard-Smithsonian. Um, and, and in that case, that was involving, again, graduate-level computer science and mathematics and physics and things of that nature. Uh, and then, as I mentioned earlier, uh, this summer I just did a program at the Perimeter Institute for Theoretical Physics where I got to do a, a small research project in cosmology and also learn about the cutting edge in theoretical physics from the world's top theoretical physicists. And so I think that all of these kinds of, of opportunities and programs, they allowed me to develop my passion and interest in science. And I think it's really important that more students have access to these kinds of things um, so that that they can learn, you know, what it is that, that they're good at and, and develop their skills in those areas. Fascinating. Uh, and I also did things like piano and running <laughs> yeah. as well to, to keep myself sane while I was doing all of these academic things as well. Fantastic. Uh, congratulations on the many awards. Is there one in particular that you cherish most? Hmm. Um, Tough question. Right. And I, I think the, the main reason for that is that when you're doing research, when you as a, as a small child are doing research on your own, it's, it's sometimes hard to, to put into place or to put into perspective the impact that you might be having. Um, and, you know, it's easy to become disillusioned sometimes because I wasn't working in, you know, a big professional laboratory. I was right. doing work on my own. Um, and later I was doing work at, the, work at the University of Toronto, but even still, it, as, as a high school student or as an elementary school student, it har it's hard to feel like you're having an impact. And those two platinum awards, they, um, they, they showed me that the scientific community valued what I was doing. And I think that that was, that was really important um, to, to know that real scientists think that my work is good. Um, awesome. But I mean, it was also incredible to have uh, earlier this year, incredible to have Gina Davis fly in from Hollywood to recognize my commitment to to encouraging more girls to pursue STEM for the Brescia Emerging Canadian Female Leader of the Year Award. And I just found out very recently that I was the recipient of the um, national or the International American Barons Prize for environmentalism for 
climate change documentary I produced about how climate change is impacting the Inuit people in Canada and Greenland. Fantastic. Um, Congratulations. So I, I, I just, uh, they're, they're, I've been incredibly fortunate to be the recipient of, of many of these kinds of awards. Uh, as you said, Canada's top 520, um, the Queen Elizabeth yeah. Diamond Jubilee Medal. And it's, it's all just been incredibly humbling, and I've been so very fortunate to have received any of them. Wow. Um, uh, you seem very well grounded for someone that's received that many accolades. What, uh, what was Gina Davis like? Oh, Gina Davis was wonderful. She gave a, a fascinating address on on her institute and and um, and, and gender biases and, and those kinds of things. Oh, cool! It was it was wonderful. It was wonderful to meet her. She's she's very kind. <laughs> awesome. What advice do you offer students entering high school who um, who perhaps want to pursue um, a career in STEM? So I'm not sure I'm inter terribly qualified to give advice as a 17-year-old, <laughs> but I think that the one thing that, that I've been told, I've been, over the course of my 17 years on this planet, I've been given two main pieces of advice, and, you know, some people tell me it's important that you follow your passion, and then some people tell me it's important that you work hard. And I think that, that people who tell me either of these things usually don't realize that the two of those really go together. Right. Some people tell you, some people follow their passion, but they don't work hard at it. Um, and then other people will work hard, but they, they'll choose to ignore their passion. And I right. think that really in order to be happy and satisfied with what you're doing, you really need to do both. You need to work really hard at something that you're passionate at. And so I guess if I had one piece of advice, it would probably be to do that, to to work really hard at something that you're passionate about. Awesome. Final thoughts to share as it relates to um, your future direction and where you're going and transformation around leadership, innovation, technology. So for me, I know that, that over the course of the next year, I'm, I'm taking a gap year before I go to Harvard to do my undergraduate studies. And so I'm going to be working on two projects. Uh, the first one is at the University of Toronto's Institute for Aerospace Studies. And I'm working with uh, an incredible team of, of researchers and students there. And we're working on trying to develop a fully autonomous wheelchair for people with severe physical disabilities to allow them to uh, engage with society in, in a more meaningful way. So that's what I'm going to be working on for the first half of the year, and then for the second half of the year, um, I'm going to be working at the Perimeter Institute on a project in cosmology and computational cosmology, looking at there's a radio telescope array that I'm going to be analyzing some data for. So those are my plans for the next year. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, you're, you're making good use of your time, and uh, my kids took a gap year, and uh, they felt much more prepared uh, for university when they did that. So what a great opportunity uh, that oh, you yeah, have. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's fantastic. And I also, I skipped a grade when I was a bit younger, so now uh, I'll in my graduating class. Awesome. Well, thank you again for your time to speak with us uh, today, Maya. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. That was Maya burnham Perkar, international award-winning STEM student and keynote presenter at the upcoming 7th Canadian NetTech Leadership Summit 
on November 3rd at the Mars Discovery District in Toronto. Be sure to check out www.mindsharelearning.com to get your latest issue, the Mindshare Learning Report. And until next time, keep the learning curve steep.